came here to say Who won it from the jump? Came here to we say. came to get exactly what you want Came here to say that you don't really want it with us yeah. We love you know We came here to say that you don't really want it with us yeah. Yeah. The sports show Yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Year Sports Show, episode 140. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the soul of RB. Before we start off, we want to send a big, big, big happy birthday shout out to our own our own little kid of the of the Year Sports Show, BK Matt. He's finally hitting puberty today. We're so happy for him. He's all grown up. He's all grown up. We watch them grow up right before our eyes. I mean, I feel like just yesterday, just yesterday, he was that, you know, uh, what was the little one from the Wild Thornberries? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like just yesterday that was Matt. Yeah. Matt, a little rug rat in his own right. So, wow, so. Matt, not the dill pickles of the group. He is the Bill Pickles of his Yes, that, that's, that's Matt. <laughs> Shouts to BK Matt. Um, at the bottom of the pyramid today, we had the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. Yes, yes. How are you, everybody? Your nation was good. Going on. And at the top right of the pyramid, we have the ruler of the year sports show, the queen, Queen Tay. As always, doing boss things. As only she can. Hey everyone, good evening. Big boss Tay. So, um, how's everybody's week? <laughs> it was pretty good. Hectic. Hectic. Um, the house is about the apartment's about eighty percent packed up, mm-hmm. and I don't recognize my own apartment at this point. Um. So it's 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 been a lot. We've been finishing up packing. I think we're moving in about another week, two weeks, something like that. So it's just been really, really hectic. Um, and then obviously the last couple of days, uh, very important to me. I can't. Uh, I want to take a, a moment and just, um, you know, two years ago today, like I'd been on this podcast for a, a couple of months at this point. But two years ago today, I know Matt wasn't there because he couldn't make it just due to distance. But two years ago, ago today, Dre and, and Tay, y'all became more than just my co-host, more than just my friends. Y'all became, you know, members of my family um, showing up, you know, in a, in a time that was very, very devastating for me. Tomorrow marks two years um, since I lost my mother. Um, so this whole week's been a little rough for me. Um, you know, because of that, but tomorrow I really get to, uh, celebrate her because so her, you know, her two favorite musical acts of all time, Madonna and Metallica. I don't know if she had a thing for M's, but, uh, Madonna and Metallica, uh, I, I sent, I got her tickets. One of her favorite birthday presents ever was I got her tickets to see Madonna at the Barclays center. Um, and one of the greatest nights of her life. Um, and so tomorrow um, on the two-year anniversary of her passing, I will be at MetLife Stadium for the first time in my life seeing Metallica live in concert. And we have a picture of my mom that we'll be taking to the concert. So she's there with us. 
Um, really, really fantastic. That was something that me and my mom really bonded on. First album that I owned was Metallica's Black Album, you know, their self-titled Metallica album. So it's going to be really, really cool. Really, really awesome. And again, I want to give a lot of shout outs to y'all. Thank y'all for everything y'all did for me and continue to do for me. Um, you know, thank y'all for becoming family on that day. Yeah, no, family over everything here. Shout-outs to, shout to you again. Rest in peace to your mother. Um, that was a crazy week. I remember me and Tay meeting you at the hospital, um, spending time meeting your father, meeting some of your family members. I know that was a tough time, but we we also thank you for allowing us in there to just, you know, allow us to be there. So. Yeah. And I, I thank y'all. Like, that was, that was, that was crazy. Like, I have, I have friends. Well, I had friends, I should say. Uh, I had friends that did not do or would not have done what you and Tay did. I mean, leave it work and you were in Brooklyn. Tay was in Brooklyn. Like, just, yo, we dropping what we doing. We, I don't care where we are right now. We going to be there. Like, that was, that was big for me. And like I said, I know Matt would have if he could have at the time. Um, mm -hmm. But it was, it was, it was a lot. Like, I was. I can honestly say I was like extremely shocked when like y'all hit me up yelling, yo, we're downstairs. I was like, wait, wait, this is real right now. Um, and that, that meant a lot to me. You know, this, like I said, I had a lot of friends at that time that wouldn't have done that. And that's why they're not, they're not friends anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Queen, Queen, you're busy bee this week. Mm -hmm. You're out and about. Yep. Yeah, on the street. Well, not, not out in the street. First off, Queen, can we nah, talk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get to that. Get to out that. in the streets. If you are not following Tay on IG, like, sis, just out. Just all out. Just setting, setting timelines and stories on fire. First of all, out here looking, she blew up, yeah, she blew up the internet. She looking the internet. fantastic, Tay. Uh, <laughs> absolute kudos to you, incredible. Uh, because we, we we all know what you've been through, and privately, Dre and I know other things that you've been through and dealing with. So, like, congratulations for being out, like being out there. But I remember seeing, and I was like, we we, we out here like this, like this. Oh no. I told you, I told you the black, the black ones was, was it. I just knew, I just felt it in my soul. Like, yeah, this is the one right here. This is the one right here. Listen. The whole stadium, whatever stadium she was in, they shut it down. She it, was it, the it, main attraction. Listen, listen. Right. Okay. It wasn't even. It wasn't even that person's show no more. Yo, just be. Yeah, it was be definitely her show. Let me tell you something. She is definitely mother, and I was auntie. So. <laughs> listen, big, okay. Big, big auntie, not the little one. Not the little one. I might get canceled for this. No, then don't I, say it. No, when I saw when I saw the story, I was like, "Oh, so obviously we gonna have a national emergency because we saw what happened when Janet did it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. so national not, emergency. The, 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 the difference the difference between Janet and and Tay Tay would have handled that expeditiously. It's gonna happen. Like somebody would have been passed passed out on the ground. Tay would have been standing over them. I would have punched that just that culture vulture right in the face. Shattered <laughs> his damn jaw. <laughs> <laughs> been on the floor like she. You won't be extra. This is what happens. Now you extra and critical. Like 
Oh, now, now you don't. Now you waking up like what happened? <laughs> right. Listen, like you don't know what happened. Like you don't know what happened. Everybody who saw that story woke up about thirty minutes later after hitting the floor, saying, "What happened?" Oh man! No, sometimes I gotta pop out and remind y'all who the bitch is, who the baddest bitch is. So. <laughs> and you, and see, here's the thing, because like, what was it? A couple months ago, we was out here talking about how you only want men fifty, you know, getting SSI checks and stuff. They can't handle all SSI check, okay. Say nothing about no, uh, SSI check can't do nothing for me. Cannot do anything for me, honey. SSI, <laughs> SSI check is what take making a couple hours stop. Like, like I just made an SSI check <laughs> during the show. Like the hell? <laughs> no. Oh man. Um, speaking of SSIs, um, we got a lot going on in the show today, and I guess we'll start with. With Tavia's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, Aaron Rodgers decided to take a thirty-five million dollar pay cut. You already know how me and Tay feel about Aaron Rodgers. Um, this is your quarterback. I know you're gonna stick behind him, Pete. So, the thirty-five million dollar pay cut. Um, why did he do it, and and how do you feel about him doing it? Well, it had to happen, right? It had to happen. His contract was onerous. I mean, this is a, just what happens when you're getting paid ridiculous amounts of money um, mm-hmm. and restructured his contract so that the, the Jets have a better ability to go out and still surround him with talent. See, the, honestly, what Aaron Rodgers did is something that Brady did for a lot of years. It's something that um, I know LeBron did for a number of years in the NBA where they took less money in, in, in times where they could probably be getting the most money of their career, right? Took less money so that the team could surround them with the talent necessary for them to win because they understand that this is a team sport, but also unlike baseball, it's a it's a cap sport, right? Baseball obviously does have the luxury tax, but if, if an owner has a net worth like a Steve Cohen or like the Steinbrenners did at the time that they don't mind paying into the luxury tax. They could spend as much as you want. You could spend a billion dollars to build your team if that's what you want to do and pay the luxury tax. You can't do that in the NBA and the NFL. There is a ta- there is a cap that you have to that you have to be under. And unfortunately there's a lot of stars in in both of those sports that don't understand like hey if I get the largest chunk of money there's not going to be enough left in the pie to pay the ancillary or secondary tertiary players that I need to have around me to be successful. Um, and, and so Rodgers did that so that the Jets could do what they need to do to bring some extra talent in, fill some holes, and make sure they have a solid enough team um, to be able to do things. And I know one of the things right now that has been a big story around Jets camp has been the 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 romance that they've been having with one uh, Dalvin Cook, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, um, you know, possibly coming in. There's been people saying, don't let him leave one Jets drive. Um, I, I don't know if necessarily a running back is what we need. I know we have Brees Hall coming back from injury. and a, You know, we have an unproven running back team. But I would rather get more pieces on defense, maybe another wide receiver or two, to give Rodgers some more weapons, give him offensive line help, defensive help, shore those areas up. 
rather than having to go out and probably spend the money it would take to get Dalvin Cook. But Rodgers needed to do what he needed to do. Um, the big story that comes from it is the question on if this guarantees that it's more than just a one-year uh, deal for Rodgers. And Rodgers has said on various uh, interviews that he intends to do this for more than one year. So the pay cut kind of led some credence to that. We'll see what happens. Uh, that makes sense. It makes sense. Before we move to Queens. Yo, when you get a call, that's on you. Don't get mad and don't be crying and none of that. Oh, oh. Oh. Dill Pickles coming in hot. Right. There you go. <laughs> Welcome, DK Mac. What's going on, yo? Happy birthday. Thornberry's kid. What? Food, very food. Matt, did you, they, Matt, did you ride your little Tonka truck today? You got jokes. You really got jokes. Yes. Y'all really, yes. Y'all really was on one today. It's crazy how y'all was sitting me today. Hey, to be fair, Queen set it off. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't, I can't not follow that with, with a historic picture that you took, Mr. ICDC. I'm not going to hell for that. You know that. It's funny because people actually thought you took the ICDC college picture. Until I know, I right? That's out. Until I had to point out that there's a year's sports show logo at the bottom of the picture. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I can't deal with this. Now people ask me about that. Like, yo, you really went to that? I'm like, yo, stop playing. <laughs> playing with me, man. Uh, Go ahead, Pete. Keep talking about keep talking about how Aaron Rodgers is 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 a good man taking that pay cut. Go ahead, Pete. Well, he did what he needed to do. I, I wouldn't say nah, he did good hear that. Nobody want to hear that shit. Nobody want to hear that. He did what he needed to do. Nobody hear that. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Queen, your thoughts on Rodgers taking the pay cut? Because I have a feeling that we you feel the same. What? I have no thoughts. Next. Okay. <laughs> um, begrudgingly, Matt, um, how do you feel? About uh, Aaron Rodgers taking the pay cut, I just, I, I just feel like he's a renewed man. He's in a good space in his life. You know, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. He's, he's taking one for the team. And when I talk about the team, I'm talking about the New York Jets. It's life. I'm, I'm, I'm loving life right now. The Jets is just looking, it's looking good. Now we about to, we about to get Dalvin Cook too. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I just can't wait. It's gonna be a good NFL season, man. It'll be a real good NFL season. I can't wait. How y'all Giants is looking? So that thirty-five million dollars that you was that you should spend on on other pieces, you y'all gonna spend it on one place again? I mean, I'd rather um, get offensive line help rather than a, a running back. I mean, I, I mean, they looking at Dalvin Cook because honestly, Reese Hall still ain't ready. I mean, we need some. We need some. We don't want to wrestle. The top, listen, the top positional needs for the Jets back in February when we were talking about the draft. Tackle, defensive tackle, right? What? Um, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, center, linebacker, wide receiver. Those were the areas of need for the Jets. Now, while the Jets did address some of those things in the draft, like, listen, you can never have too much offensive line help. You can never have too much defensive uh, line help. 
right? Those are areas of need. If you can't protect Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to be able to throw the ball. I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. So, yes, Dalvin Cook, great. Be awesome to have a weapon. You mean the, the amount of weapons that he has to throw the, throw the ball to. We got to add that. Make sure you add that. Add that. Throw the add ball. That. If the man yes. is under yes. pressure, that's going to be a problem. So I would rather get offensive line help than getting another weapon in Dalvin Cook. If we had an embarrassment of riches on the offensive line and the defensive line, fine. Go get Dalvin Cook. Load up the weapons. But we don't have that right now. Um, I feel like this is shenanigans. Um, because, because it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I feel like it's. Um, you just refuse to be happy for us. Yes. Yes, I, I definitely refuse to be happy for y'all for sure. While all the all, all that, while Saquon is going through his issues and being forced to sign franchise tag, yes, I am. Uh, I know that's. That's some bullshit. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's no, it, it, it is some bullshit. Um, the Giants should have paid that man. He should not have had to sign a damn franchise tag to 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 uh, basically avoid the backlash of him not signing one. But that goes into a bigger problem about the the, the running back position overall. Because after a couple years, your running back is no use to you, and they've shown that they can pick up a so running they, back they every say. year if they feel like. Yeah. Ain't Kansas City Chiefs? They they running back wasn't wasn't he a rookie? He's a rookie. They right? running back was like yeah, it was, it was someone from way beyond yonder that nobody knew about. But he was good. They found him. He was alright. He did what they needed him to do. And it it, it doesn't make any, any sense. Here's the issue, right? The NFL went from running backs getting 35, 40 carries a game, averaging easily 125 to 150 Matt, yards. That's game. you on your background because I hear you about to get blown away by the wind. Like, <laughs> you, you know, we went from we went we went from running backs averaging 120, 100, over 100 yards a game regularly. Your starting running back was easily getting 100 plus yards a game. 30-plus carries, 35 carries a game. These running backs were averaging easily over 1,000 to 1,200 yards in a season, if not more. I mean, I remember guys getting 2,000 yards in a season rushing, you know, um, you know when they were breaking records, 1,500 yards, 1,600 yards in a season. This was commonplace for your starting running backs. And we went from running back-dominated NFL and the play action opening and running backs opening up the passing game to becoming more of a passing league, doing more of the college game and becoming more of a passing NFL, which now we have quarterbacks throwing 40 plus times a game. If I'm not mistaken, Tate, one of Tate's favorite quarterbacks last year, regularly in, 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 in Burrow, Joe Burrows would regularly average 50 to almost 60 throws a game. You know, like they're, you know, they're blowing these shoulders out, you know, and these rotator cuffs out by, by throwing 50 plus times a game. 
And now your running backs are barely getting 20 carries. Well, what happens there? The statistics of the running back starts to go down. You start to use more running back by committees, which we saw in Philly and a couple of other places, where you have a, two or three running backs getting 10, 12 carries a game. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you have NFL franchises who are able to use that data point and say, oh, yeah, running backs get injured more and running backs probably uh, lose their effectiveness quicker than a quarterback or anything else. But, hey, look at these stats. Like, you aren't really scoring a lot of touchdowns anymore, and you're not rushing for a lot of yards. Well, that's because you're not giving us the ball. That's because you're not centering the offense. The quarterbacks are looking better, getting the better stats, because the offense is centered around the quarterback throwing the ball. So when you're throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game, 300-plus, 400 yards a game, Mm -hmm. stats are going to look great. I'm sure if you gave Saquon more carries, it's going to happen with the statistics. But yes, it is a fact of life. He who gets hit more is going to get injured easier, is going to break down in a physical sport like football easier. You don't hit the quarterbacks. That's something we don't do anymore. They might as well be wearing flags. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why Tom Brady could play that he's 45. Granted, he works out. He has great, you know, everything. But the reason he could play that he's 45 is because nobody hit him in 20 years. This is true. Uh, Queen, your thoughts on the Saquon Barkley having to sign the franchise tag? Let me say I understand both sides of the equation because you don't really want to invest in a running back because – because the injuries that have played the running back position over the past 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have these plays, like Pete was saying, like, majority of plays are passing plays because people have discovered out the art of the running back. So when you have the rare instance when they can break out or they can gain yardage, that they have like an average of what? Four to five, maybe four to five yards carry. That's really, in di- this league, that's really difficult to get. You know, but I do feel like um, the Giants should put the, the – I think that they should have paid him first. I think he should have been a priority over Daniel Jones, um, who only really proved himself last year. And barely. You get what I'm saying? Um, I think that it was a full problem when you look at the average – when you look at the running backs in this generation. Back in the days, like, the running back was everything. You put – most of the most of the plays you saw – were designed play action, running plays, and now people are figuring it out. People now you you kind of get off on the the amount of yardage per game. Fantasy points are even determined by how many yards sometimes your quarterback can throw. So it's it's like to me what the three point shot did to the NBA is what the the passing game to me did to the NFL. So now your wide receivers to me are a little bit more valuable when you think about it. But even the wide receivers aren't getting paid. I mean, even the wide receivers of today aren't getting the same kind of statistics. Like, it's funny. Quarterbacks are throwing the ball more, but wide receivers now. And and using their legs more. Now you're looking for for a quarterback who can kind of do a two-yard type of thing. You want somebody that can play the ball and get you yardage off the play-action plays. So that's what you're kind of looking for. You're, You're causing your 
quarterbacks, you're, you're looking for your quarterback to be more agile and athletic, kind of effectively making your running back more of a defensive player on the field than someone who is looking to get yardage. They're, I find the running backs are now more of a, a offensive line men than somebody who is looking to score points. I feel like we were looking at Zeke as the next big hope. And then, you know, the Cowboys did nothing over the past eight years. And then next, you know, Saquon, we did, we never really got a chance to see him in his full glory because of injuries. Because that, that position is tough. You take a lot of impact, you have to have strong ass legs. Only to get average of maybe three to four yards of carry. I mean, two to three yards, period. That's my take. And um, I, I didn't think about it that way until you said it in terms of the, the you know, a quarterback's arm is basically the equivalent to the, the three-pointer because, yes, a lot of teams are more relying on the throwing aspect of the game, the passing yards, than it is rushing. And essentially the running back becomes an extra blocker or an extra receiver um, or a, another tight end. This is why players like Christian McCaffrey is getting – Paid as well. Um, we're getting getting paid because um, he he does multiple things. And when you go back to the quarterback position, yes, the quarter. This is why the quarterback position is so highly valued now because the quarterback can now get get off a thousand yard season, along yeah. with throwing four to five thousand yeah. yards anywhere you, between thirty five hundred to five thousand yards. You hear a lot about the quarterback tight end tandems now. The last big quarterback running back tandem that you really was hearing about was Zeke and um and Dak, basically. Yeah. And that really didn't, you know, it worked, but it didn't work to where you thought that that tandem would lead the 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 Cowboys. And then you have like the Saquon, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, the, the Saquons okay. and the Daniel Jones. I mean, up until last season, where I think was Saquon healthy all season. No. Yes, I believe Saquon was healthy all season last. Most season. of the, at least most of the season. season. I don't think he, he played. It was most of the season. It was most of the season. Yeah. He missed a few games though. But it's yeah. it, like what I what I was getting at was also like add on to the fact that we're seeing this increase in quarterback usage. We're seeing this increase mm-hmm. in quarterback yardage. But what we're not seeing is an increase in wide receiver statistics. I almost feel as if the wide receivers that we were watching 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like seemed like they were more effective or more stars of the offense. Like I don't see, don't get me wrong. Right. I know we got, we got some great where we got, we got Cooper cup and you got Mm -hmm. um, Will uh, Garrett Wilson uh, with the jets and you got some other wide receivers, but like, I don't see a Randy Moss. I don't see someone dominating the field like a Marvin Harrison deal, like a Marvin I, Harrison I can, did. I can tell you why. I can tell you why. And the reason being is it, it's all it's money. The reason being, you can get a good valued receiver for cheap. It, it's and the receivers are getting to a place where the running backs are, where every couple years, every two or three years, you can get a high powered wide receiver out like the third or fourth round that nobody's paying attention to. Like, and, and you will fill your team up with that. You don't have to pay them. And then now you can spread the wealth. Plus 
passing teams are not even passing it to all their wide receivers anyway because the tight end, like you said, has been more of uh, the, the most important receiving piece other than, you know, your slot receivers, your, your, your deep yeah, But there's like receivers. three great tight ends. There's like three. Like, listen, Rob Gronkowski, once Gronkowski mm-hmm. left, you have Kelsey, and then everybody else is like steps below Kelsey. The days of Gary right. Rice, Randy. Right. And Ross, like, it's like we're playing yeah. we're we're playing into a different league. But you know, but the thing is, it's like the stats aren't correlating the right way, right? You would think quarterbacks are throwing more, they're averaging more yards per game. The wide receivers must their statistics would rise as well. Running back stats go down because they're run they're rushing less receiving statistics would go up. But as you said, Dre, we've got, you know, we don't have those number one, true number ones like we used to. Even number twos, like, listen, I remember I was a huge, like, my side chick in the NFL for a long time was the early Carolina Panthers, right? (laughs) And you would see Steve Smith and who? Moose and Muhammad. You would have a one and a two. You would have two wide receivers that you knew if one wasn't getting 100 yards receiving, the other one was, right? And, you know, we had the tight ends. You had the the rise of the tight end during that time. You had the Tony Gonzalez's, the Antonio Gates. You know, you had those in the league during that time. Jeremy Shockey redefined the tight end position for, for, for the NFL for a long time. You know, but now, even now, outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe one or two people whose names I can't really recall off the top of my head right now, you still don't really have that many star tight ends that are really, really good. But I don't think for them it's about them being stars. It's just at this point it's easier to mold a tight end to do what you need them to do, especially because you don't have too many deep route tight ends. But if you look at last season – there was a lot more 100-yard games between tight ends uh, than, than there's been. So it, it's it's a, it's a double-edged sword when we, when we go back to the, um, talking about the running back because your tight end essentially could be in that backfield being your running back. So you could have a 6'7", six, 6'8", six, running back back there or, or, or a six seven six eight blocker to do everything that your running back can do. So again, number one in the league was Kelsey. That's the other side of it, yeah. Kelsey last year, hundred and ten receptions, mm-hmm. uh, thirteen hundred and thirty eight yards, twelve touchdowns. He had a hundred and fifty two targets in mm-hmm. seventeen games. Then next on the list was T.J. Hawkinson, nine hundred fourteen yards. And then Mark Andrews, obviously the only other, the only person on Baltimore they can throw the ball to, 847 yards. Uh, you had four tight ends uh, with over 100 targets on the year. Tyler Higby had 108. Andrews, Hawkinson, and Kelsey. And then you had two uh, tight ends with 98. So if you count the round those up, you had six tight ends in the league with about 100 targets on the year, only Kelsey had over a hundred receptions. Hawkinson at 86 and 
only Kelsey had over a thousand yards. Listen, but when you look at the Chiefs' offense, they lost their number one. They lost their number one receiver in Tyreek Hill, and Juju Smith-Schuster didn't show up until the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's again, and then you have Baltimore, where nobody else can catch, <laughs> but Andrews, or that's yeah. the only person wasn't um, Jackson feels like throwing to, but um, compare that to wide receivers. You did have two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 21 wide receivers last year that averaged over a thousand receiving yards. Uh, Jerry Judy was right behind with 972. Number one was Justin Jefferson with, and get this Justin Jefferson got 1,800 receiving yards on 184 targets. How many reception TDs did he have? Only eight. Devontae Adams had 14. And again, this is what I'm saying. You would think that as the passing yardage would go up, the amount of touchdowns and receptions and receiving yards would also exponentially rise. I feel like they've risen, but not to the exponential degree that we figured they would. What's the dangerous, most dangerous pass to throw? Where's the most dangerous time to throw the ball? Was in the was, was red zone. twenty yards. Yeah, the red zone. So red zone offenses have now become. I'll throw a chippy, I and hope you get five or six yards, and we'll keep chipping at it, especially if we have a first down market in between. But for the most part, it is a quarterback sneak, play action, uh, play action, and and a short little hop to your wide receiver uh, to your running back, or it's your tight end in the end zone, or more than likely. Again, there's something to do with your quarterback. It's not Derrick Henry more passing passing touchdowns. Derrick Henry is a fucking tank, so that's a little bit number different. one running back in terms of attempts. He had 349 attempts in mm-hmm. 16 games. So if we do the math on that, let's say 350. Yeah, what's going in on? 16 Matt? games, he averaged about 21.8 to 22 rushes a game. Right. Right. Josh Jacobs was second with 340. Then you got Nick Chubb, who played 17 games. He averaged 17.7 rushes a game. I feel like that's, you know, like running backs when we were coming up, 25 to 30 rushes a game. Absolutely. Just off 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 rip 25 to 30 rushes a game and hoping that they would get at least at least three to five yards in the game. And if you got more than three yards per game as a running back, you you will look that. And the fact that Tony Pollard rushed for a thousand yards on only a hundred and ninety-three carries in sixteen games tells you the effectiveness. That goes into a different conversation that uh which we can get into another time, but but now we're looking at the other positions on the field. What about your offensive line? Because now your offensive line is the one that's blocking for everybody, which is allowing players like Pollard, players like 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 Derrick Henry, except I mean Derrick Henry was gonna get his regardless, but um allowing these players who have mi- mi- the minimal amount of carries to get thousand yard seasons. 
it's, it's going to be rare that we see a running back with get close to 2,000 yards ever, ever again. Yeah, I think the most that we had, if I'm, if I just go back to where I was mm-hmm. looking at the statistics from last year, um, the most rushing yards last year was by Josh Jacobs, sixteen fifty three. Yeah. Um. I, I, I there's going to be a, a, a revolution at some point with this running back position because teams will this will figure out. This whole quarterback stuff, but um, mind you, Jamal Lewis, who in his best year when he broke the record, two thousand sixty six yards on three hundred and eighty seven attempts. So if I'm look back at what I was just saying, you remember who that quarterback was though too, right? Derrick Henry, three hundred and forty nine. 349 rushes, 1,500 yards. Jamal Lewis in 2003, Mm -hmm. 387 yards, I mean 387 attempts, 2,066 yards. Just a a question in the air. Is is that fair to compare two different types of backs? Jamal Lewis and, 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 and... Derrick Henry are two different type of backs. Okay, let's let's look at Tiki Barber at age 30. At age mm-hmm. 30, his second to last season. Okay, because running backs break down, right? 357 mm-hmm. attempts, 1,860 yards. See, that's a better comparison to Jamal Lewis than, than it would be for um Derrick Henry. So eight more carries than Derrick Henry got this year. Mm-hmm. And he rushed for 300 more yards on eight more carries. But again, that goes into the other conversation I said about your other skill positions like your line. But um, to get into something else real quick. Um, so Sean Payton um, said some pretty disparaging remarks about Nathaniel Hackett, which were true, but uh, one of these unwritten rules about um, coaches talking about other coaches who, who left and doing it publicly um, has Peyton in some hot water, not with just Hackett, who's pretty much been cool about it, but with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers basically pulled to Will Smith and said, keep my, my um, coach's name out your mouth. And Hackett's been pretty cool about the situation, but Peyton has not backed down from the stuff he has said. So, Queen, did um, Shaw Peyton have a point about what he was saying about Hackett, or should he have gone about it differently? Uh, what do you think? Uh, Pete, are you able to pull that up? Yeah, give me one second. When he criticized his job as an offensive coordinator, he criticized his job as as an overall quarterback. I mean, um, um, coach. Um. So here it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton uh, called uh, Hackett's 2022 season with the Broncos, where he went four and eleven in his first 15 games and was fired in December. One of the worst coaching jobs 
in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it, it was a terrible job. I wouldn't go so far to say one of the worst, but it was bad. And I think Sean Payton is well within his rights to make, you know, to to make. I guess he must have been asked, right? Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up right now. Yeah. So the the common courtesy is to not talk about the uh, the previous coach that was there. But you know how we talk about the. I swear we have to have an episode on these stupid ass unwritten rule of, of just sports in general. Uh, but it, it's he didn't say the wrong things. It's just he said it in public, and that's what everybody's losing their, their minds about. Oh, yeah. So um, this is from the Associated Press. Um. And see here. I would learn from the right. Yeah. Uh, Peyton called the called the work that Nathaniel Hackett and his staff did in Denver last season, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the NFL, and said there were, quote, 20 dirty hands around Russell Wilson's career worst season. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite, Peyton said. I mean, I, I think he was definitely throwing shots. I think that he could have kept his comments to himself. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, while he said he did do an abysmal job, at, you know, when you have Russell Wilson as a quarterback and then go 4 11, I mean, do we, the thing is that at this point, we got into this debate several times mm-hmm. last season. Was it Russell Wilson or was it the coaching? Was it a mix of both? I think it was a mix of both. Yeah. I said Sean Payton was trying to protect his weak ass quarterback. Obviously, Rodgers coming to the defense of the man who is now his offensive coordinator, head coach of the Broncos, now the offensive coordinator of the Jets. Well, he he doesn't need to be no damn head coach nowhere. And to be honest with you, if he had um if he had Russell Wilson and couldn't that that team ugh, that team looked that that team did look horrible last year. Ain't gonna front that team looked bad. Russell Wilson looked bad, and that team looked bad. And the, the only time was – Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. Was it Geno Smith who was his backup? In in Seattle, yeah. And Geno Smith had a great year with PK. Yeah, he had a great year. So. The rumor was that Denver was trying to get Rodgers last year because of the connection between Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. He, I think Rodgers had one of the greatest seasons of his career – with Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator in Green Bay. He knows the system inside and out. And so there was a lot of rumors that uh, Denver was trying to get Rodgers last year before they ended up getting Russell Wilson. So, you know, obviously the Jets hired Hackett to pair him up back with with Aaron Rodgers, you know. Mm. But we've seen this. Not every great offensive coordinator a great is a great head coach. Not every great defensive coordinator makes a great head coach. I mean, we've seen some of the greatest de- – Romeo Crennel, okay, and Charlie Weiss, two of the best offensive and defensive minds in the NFL, failed as head coaches, but then go back to being assistants, focusing on offensive defense, and they do fantastic, right? It, it, it's hard to say this because you want to think that, hey, you know, we, we said this about Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. Eric Bieniemy's been on like a thousand interviews to be a head coach. And we've always said, you know, obviously 
the black factor, they're not going to hire the black head coach, right? But also, you have to ask yourself, just because Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator, is that going to translate to being a great head coach? Todd Bowles had one of the best defenses in the league for years. Becomes head coach of the Jets, utterly failed. What happens? Goes to Tampa, becomes a defensive coordinator, and the defense is world beaters under Todd Bowles. Some people are just good as coordinators and not necessarily as head coaches. Well, this is this is true. This is true. I just um week five is Jets versus Broncos. So you know that's going to to yeah. um be a monster game. Um Matt says he was a bad coach, but Russell didn't have the protection he had with Pete Carroll in the show. This is true. Yeah, but then that's the if that's the case with the protection, that's the that's the that's the coaching. That's a coaching issue. But you know, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson still has the same amount of Super Bowl rings that Aaron Rodgers has. So I will say this. I did ooh, like ooh, ooh, ooh. I did like Coach Salas. It looks like it'll look like it, it looks like it'll be the same. I uh, oh, yeah. I they, did they like, end it off the same. We will top it off at the same. Uh, Coach Sala's comments, I will say, when Coach he Sala out, just be going off too. So. Well, Robert Sala said that he he uh, first off he said Sean Payton's been in this league for as long as he has. He has the right to say whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also said uh, he and I quote: "My belief is if you don't got haters, you not pop it." What? There's that. By Coach Robert Sala. You gotta, you gotta love the the the, the culture vulture everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Queen, I know you have to step off. Um, you gotta handle some business. Um, you got any final words to say to uh, to, the, to to about any of the topics we spoke on? Nope. Aaron Rodgers is to retire. Ah, oh no! I was, I was looking for that. I was looking for that. And Sean Sean Payton should shut up because what has the damn Packers done? Oh. I mean, I'm just being honest. The Packers ain't done nothing, and it looks like the Packers ain't done. I think the Packers may have an even worse season than the Broncos did last year. Well, you know, Peyton's with the Broncos now, so hopefully he'll do do well there. But interestingly enough, Tay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'm not in. I'm not. I'm not in the sports world anymore, guys. I really. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> I'll leave you with this, Tay. All this ballyhoo about Rogers getting traded and Jordan Love in the wings. I found it very funny. Packers, I believe it was their general manager, came out and said. We won't really know about Jordan Love until midseason. You've only had the guy under contract for four years. Mm-hmm. And you still don't know whether or not he's a viable starting quarterback? They don't. They don't. Well, Queen, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for being on. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your night. Eat, eat all the good food for us. No, I need to get some rest. I've been up since 3.30. Yes, go to sleep, man. Yes, go mm-hmm. to sleep. 
All right, Quinn. All right. All right. All right. So, um, I heard, moving on I heard, to that. I heard Queens got reservations at a, a place a thousand dollars a table. I'm just saying, she she rolled like yeah. that. I mean, she do. We ain't gonna count her pockets. She she thousand dollars. Hey, are you gonna pay a thousand dollars for a table? No. She she. Mm-mm. I I got work a little bit harder to get there. You heard but, about that? There's a restaurant in New York that apparently has a three-year waiting list for a table. That better be the best damn restaurant of all time. Like, I better get in there and never, never have to eat food ever again. Imagine like, you make a reservation today, and then it when you actually get in, like you're with a different person. You actually made the reservation. Right. Like, like, like whole things could happen. In, in 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 three years, we're really. like that's crazy. But let, let's move on to some basketball. Starting with Brittany Griner, um, taking some time off from mental health. Um, we know what she's been through. She 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 was a prisoner um, in in Russia due to some BS um, and some politics that had zero to do with her. Um, and again, people are still people are still upset that she was traded for a Russian arms dealer, but. Um, again, that's neither at this point here nor there. I've just mentioned that people are still upset about it, <laughs> but, um, what do you, what do you think of, uh, I mean, it's, it's nothing to really act of thoughts about her taking her time off. I think she, she needs to do this at this point. This is her first season back. Um, and I'm sure she's been overflowed overflowing with a lot of uh with a lot going on. So um yeah, what do you think about this time off she'll, she'll be taking? Well, I hope the Phoenix Mercury treat Brittany Griner better than they're treating Skylar Diggins Smith. Man oh man, I was gonna I don't know if you that. heard about this. Mm-hmm. Skylar Diggins Smith out on maternity leave um after having her ch- a second child mm-hmm. apparently does not have access to, to the, the um, practice to the training for, training for or the any nope. of the resources for the team. No, no massage therapist, chiropractor, the chef, strength and conditioning, nutritionist, nothing that is team supplied um, can be, she, she has access to. So it's like they've, they've had issues prior to her, you know, prior to her um, going on maternal leave. Um, it was sometime last year where um, she was suspended from the team and that because they felt her, she had contact, um, she was detrimental to the team. Well, you have her under contract. You still have mm-hmm. her on the team. Like, this wouldn't be a situation in the NBA, right? If a man's out on injury, not saying that being pregnant or maternity leave is like an injury, but you're at, you're taking time off because of a yeah. health-related issue, right? Maternity mm-hmm. leave is health-related. You are recovering as a woman. You know, the things that women have to deal with as after effects and during with pregnancy, like, at the end of the day, we, 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 we've got no understanding of that, right? Um so it is still health related in my in my situation in the NBA. If you're out with a health related issue, you could come in and see the nutritionist. You could come in and use the practice facility. You could come in and use the gym. You could work out. You could do all these things. Um, 
So, listen, I hope they're doing better to Brittany Griner than they are to Skylar Diggins-Smith. I'm surprised Brittany came back as fast mm -hmm. as she did. And then, obviously, we had the situation in the airport in Texas um, when she mm -hmm. was traveling. So, there's a lot of things the WNBA, I feel, needs to step up on in terms of serving its player base. Obviously, yeah. Uh, we've, we've spoken at length about salary and mm -hmm. the fact that these women should be getting paid a, 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 a salary on their contracts that don't require them to have to go and play overseas and go and play in other places to make money, right? They should mm -hmm. be able to make enough money at home during the NBA season, WNBA season, if they want to go play overseas and that's up to them, that's fine. Um, but they shouldn't feel obligated to, to make money. Uh, but obviously, you know, in other areas, WNBA really needs to step its game up, you know, especially as I feel like the WNBA has been growing in popularity for the last two years. Um, you know, especially here in the, in, in the biggest media market in the world, in New York, we've seen what the New York Liberty has done uh, in mm -hmm. creating a little super team. Uh, Knicks yep. take notice. People pay. People want to play for the Liberty, but don't want to play for the Knicks. Mm. Notice people started wanting to play for the Liberty as soon as MSG stopped owning them. Just saying. This is yeah. this is true. Um, but you listen. I mean, I. Brittany Griner, like I said, I'm surprised she came back and played this early, uh, considering everything she had been through. I really hope that she is able to, you know, find her peace and feel better and be able to come back because Brittany Griner is a game changer. And the Phoenix Mercury are always in the conversation when it comes to the WNBA playoffs and the WNBA championship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and let's call a digging Smith into the damn facility. Please, please, guys. Let let it. Let her play. Let her let her go play. Let her let her play. Let her go see the. the what? She, I mean, she's not going to play yet, but let the woman see the team doctor. Right. She. Come on. And there's a lot of things the WNBA can do. We can sit. We we can literally sit here and have a whole episode about that. But um, moving on to the NBA, um. Let's start with the, the Dame Dollar situation, the Damian Lillard situation. So apparently his his management, his 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 um agent went to a couple teams that they were, you know, that Portland were thinking about trading him to and essentially said you may get a disgruntled employee. Um but then later backtracked that because the NBA sent out a memo letting the teams know that Hey, wherever Dame goes, he, he's contracted to play, so that's what he will do. Um, what are your thoughts about the NBA stance on this on this um, on this Damian Lillard possible trade if he's able to get out of Portland? Oh, I think it was the right stance. I mean, this is something that I've hated about the NBA, all the back channeling that happens with agents and teams. Hey, don't trade for this guy because he don't want to play for you or he wants to play in a specific area. Listen, yeah. at the end of the day, you are under contract with the team. Right. You don't want to be there for whatever reason. You go and work that out with the team. 
but also understand you get traded where they feel like they're going to get the best value for you, right? Like this isn't a, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a deep cut here. This isn't a pick your own adventure book, right? Right. This isn't like, Oh, go to Miami, turn to page 23, go to Milwaukee, turn to page 49. No, it's, you don't want to play here anymore. The team's got two options. Mm-hmm. Team can sit your ass and pay you because you are under contract. Or well, those three options. You could play, not be mm-hmm. happy with the way you playing, but get right. paid. Or the team can trade you. But if the team trades you, it's the team's decision where they trade you. Why am I going to trade you as a team looking to continue to do business? Why am I going to trade you to team A who's going to give me crap, but that's where you want to go? Or I could trade you to team B who's going to give me a package back that's actually going to benefit my team. At the end of the day, I have to think about my team now. It's not about whether or not you happy. Like you signed a contract. I can understand wanting to renegotiate contracts. But a lot of this stuff has to be done privately. I'm tired of this stuff being done publicly, whether it's the NBA or the NFL. You see a lot of these guys in the NFL, I outperformed my contract. Okay, and? Like, I I signed a five-year deal last year, and then this year I went off. So I feel like I should get more money now, one year into a five-year contract. No, you signed a five-year contract. Go out there and do it again. Go out there and outperform again. Then maybe, maybe we can talk. But what are we going to do every single year? You want to renegotiate? But you know what you never hear? Oh, I had a shit year. Team can come. To, the team won't come to me and say they want to repay me less. Yeah. They, Watch how fast uh, a team owner or management would get canceled because, oh, you had a shitty year. You weren't hurt. You weren't injured. You weren't this. You had a shitty year. We're gonna we want to renegotiate your contract to pay you less. Keep the same energy. You outperformed your contract, so you want to renegotiate and get paid more. You shit the bed. We should be able to renegotiate your contract and you get paid less. No, absolutely. But I, I do think the difference with this situation with Damian Lillard is the fact that he's performed almost every year of his deal since since being in Portland, and the fact that certain things were asked for and he didn't get it granted because um uh be, because um what was i gonna say one second because i have it right here i mean Dre, because, i understand because vince leave mm-hmm. but vince said it doesn't vince said it last last episode when we spoke about it or two episodes ago when you signed the deal but like if, if you were that upset why did you sign the next deal why why did you sign the next deal because it this isn't isn't a a oh this is last year and they started rocking up the portland trailblazers have not been a valuable uh uh a contender at all since since damian little has been there i mean they, i think they've they, been a contender since he's been there just not to the level that i think dame Lillard wants them to be my issue is Again, I, I'm not upset that he wants out. I'm not upset that he wants to be traded. 
He's Ooh. well within his rights as a player to demand to be traded. I don't want to play here anymore. I feel like I was sold a bill of goods that is no longer valid. I feel right. like I've been hoodwinked, bait and switch, whatever you want to say, whatever the reasoning is, help. Uh, my child is sick. God forbid, I want to move my, my family somewhere else. I want to do this. Whatever your reasoning is for wanting to leave, that's fine. Cool. But at the end of the day, it's now the team that has to make the decision. At the end of the day, what a lot of people forget to real or fail to realize or don't want to realize is it is not the team's job to placate you, the player. It is not the team's primary responsibility to make you happy. It is the team's primary responsibility if I'm going to lose this player, especially a player of star caliber, and especially a player on the star caliber level of a Damian Lillard that could go to another team and change the trajectory of that team as soon as he gets there, mm -hmm. it is the sole purpose of the team to make a deal that makes sense for that team. I need to receive something. I'm not trading away Damian Lillard for a bag of balls because that gets Damian Lillard to where he wants to go. But if I can get a deal where I get three first-round picks and I get a player, two players, that allow my team to continue to be competitive, that's where I'm going to trade you. I'm sorry if that means you're not getting traded to where you want to go. Now, I don't think I will never be on the side of a team predatorily trading people to places to screw them, right? At the end of the day, number one purpose of the team is make the best deal so that their team can benefit. In the middle, where we would all like to be is to make a trade that is mutually beneficial to the team that is losing the player and to the player that is being traded. That is where we would like to be. I will never be okay with a team just saying, oh, you want to go here? Okay, we're going to trade you to the Timbuktu Rail Riders because they're going to give us whatever we want and now you never get a chance to compete. That's no. That's negotiating in bad faith just to to get what you want, especially when you have a player like Dame Lillard, who has been essentially loyal to the team, loyal to a fault, but has been loyal to the team. And it's not like he hasn't presented, tried to present Portland as a destination. It's just that Portland's not a destination. Right. And and so at the end of the day, it's like, hey, I'm I'm again, I'm okay with the fact that Dame Lillard wants to be traded. At the end of the day, Portland's job has to be to get the best deal in return for Dame Lillard. Um, the hope would be that Miami can give them a deal that gives them what they what they want and or need in exchange for Dame Lillard for him to go where he wants to go. But I'm sorry if Miami's not going to meet what I need them to meet, and my and this is again assuming that my demands are reasonable. If Miami's not going to meet what I want to meet, but Chicago's going to meet what I want to meet, why can't I trade you to Chicago? 
And you as the player, and this is what you brought up, the, the, the crooks of the issue, if your agent is back-channeling to Chicago and saying, don't do it, because if Dame comes here, he's not going to play for you. If Dame comes here, he's not going to honor the trade. Now you're actively screwing the organization. So if you're actively screwing the organization trying to trade you, now the organization has no, is not beholden to you in any way. In that regard, my opinion is, now if the organization wants to screw you, that's up to the organization because you're trying to control this entire process like it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. And, and that's, not, that's not the case. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so there's been this debate lately about Dwayne Wade and James Harden. It's ain't a debate. It's not a. It's not a debate. It, at least we don't think it is. None at all. Um, and 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 you know Paul Pierce be saying stuff doesn't say stuff too. Um, but Paul Pierce had a a similar take, but um. First of all, Paul Pierce said that he was a better player than Dwayne Wade. Um, Paul Pierce, in his own right, was a dog. In his own right, was a dog. And granted, he did not play with broken down Shaq and Alonzo Mourning. He did not play with prime LeBron. Right? But even more reason why why your argument is still trash because you basically had the team to yourself for the majority of the time that you were in Boston. And if I'm not mistaken, um, is he Boston's all-time leading um, score? Uh, I, think, I believe so. I, be- I think I he's Boston's all-time leading score. If not, then he's real close. Um Paul Pierce is not better than the way way. So we, we don't got to get into that argument. Now, people are saying James Harden, prime James Harden. We're talking about Houston James Harden. is better than prime Dwayne Wade. Um, no, John Havlicek even... is their all-time leading scorer. Okay. So. I know it wasn't Paul Pierce. Yeah, I'm glad it's not, too. Um, so, that being said, is it? Fair to compare the well, it's not, it is fair because they're both shooting guards. But James Harden to Dwayne Wade, what what makes why would people say James Harden is better than Dwayne Wade? We can get to that and then we can give our reason why he's not. Stay off the weed, Mm. stay (laughs) off. The weed. I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying to that. And I, I will, I will, and give me a second and I will get uh-huh. up the statistics. By the way, Paul Pierce, second leading scorer, 24,021 uh, points. John Havlicek, 26,395 points. Uh, Larry Bird in third with 21,791. Damn, John Havlicek did all that without no three-pointer, too. That's crazy. 16-year 16, 16 career, eight championships, 8-0 and in the finals uh, with Bill Russell. 
mm-hmm. and then won two more in the 1970s. Um, and he was the 1974 uh, MVP, also a 13-time All-Star. Mm. You know. And, and, and I hate this story that mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, by the way, was a one-man band until they got the, the, the big three together. Because I'm sorry. Did... What is is this a Mandela effect, Shazam, Kazam? Because I mm. clearly remember Antoine Walker being a dog on those I early teams. I, I I most certainly remember it too. Maybe, maybe we tripping, but I remember that. Because it was Paul Pierce, and then Antoine Walker was out here being a dog, shooting flat-footed from behind the three-point line. Yep. Man didn't jump. Man had a nastier looking jump shot than Sean Mary. You know, who, by Ooh. the way, want to give a lot of respect to Sean Mary. Sean Mary um, kind of made a comment a couple weeks ago that got lost in the news cycles about how Sean Marion doesn't get enough credit for revolutionizing the forward and center position to what it is nowadays with the point forward kind of thing. Sean Marion was very much doing that when he was in the league before anybody was thinking of point forwards. Um, but let, let, let's talk about Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade. Okay. Um, Dwayne Wade's got three championships. Paul Pierce has got one. Mm-hmm. Pierce did play more seasons than Wade. Uh, he also played one more playoff series than Wade. Okay, Wade only played in 13 playoff series. Paul Pierce, 14 uh, 14 years in the playoffs, 13 for Dwayne Wade. Uh, Dwayne Wade, 13 All-Star games to Pierce is 10. Uh, take a wild guess. How many NBA, All-NBA first teams Dwayne Wade made? Mm, about eight. Two in his career. Wait, two? Two for Dwayne Wade. You know how many NBA first teams Paul Pierce has? None. Exactly. Big fat zero. Dwayne Wade has been selected for an all-NBA team, either first, second, or third team, eight times in his career. Paul Pierce, four. That's what I got. That's where I got the eight number from, yep. Yep, four. Dwayne Wade, three times selected for an all-defense team. Paul Pierce, zero. Dwayne Wade led the league in scoring once. Paul Pierce didn't. Dwayne Wade has scored more points per game than Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce beats him on the rebound battle. Uh, More assists per game for Dwayne Wade than Paul Pierce by about two. Um, Dwayne Wade actually has two-tenths of a steal more per game than Paul Pierce, but they're essentially tied in steals and blocks. Now, Paul Pierce did score more total points than Dwayne Wade, 26-397 compared to 23-165. He did rebound more than Dwayne Wade. He did have have less assists than Dwayne Wade. Uh, More steals, less blocks. Also played, this should be the bigger stat of that, because everybody say, well, he's saying he's better in his statistics. Paul Pierce also played almost 300 more games than Dwayne Wade did in his career. 
Hmm. Paul Pierce played a total of 1,343 games in his career. Dwayne Wade only paid 1,054. Uh, Dwayne Wade better from the field, 480, 48% to 45% for Paul Pierce, uh, 44 and a half, really. Uh, Paul Pierce, a much better three-point shooter, 37% to 29% for D. Wade. And actually a better free throw shooter. Yep. Um, so I, I don't see, and then when we go to the playoffs, by the way, Dwayne Wade averaged 22 points per game. Paul Pierce, 18.7. They're about tied in rebounds, 5.8 to 5.2. Uh, Dwayne Wade, almost an assist and a half better per game. And in the playoffs, by the way, Dwayne Wade outscored Paul Pierce by almost 800 points in his career. Had 60 less rebounds than Paul Pierce. 300 more assists. 70 more steals. Actually had 70 more blocks. Dwayne Wade in the, in the playoffs, 175 blocks. Paul Pierce, 105. And he did all of that in only seven more games. Paul Pierce played 170 playoff games. Dwayne Wade, 177 mm. playoff games. So scored 800 more, almost 800 more points in only seven more games. Do you realize that means that in just that seven games, Dwayne Wade averaged 100 points per game to outscore him by almost Seven, almost 800 points in seven games. Like. Ridiculous. But let's go to the big, the big question of James Harden. Now, why can you say James Harden possibly better than Dwayne Wade? Simply because James Harden does more. Yes. Yes, right. he does more on the offensive end. Yes. Right. He's more of a he, – he can get the triple-doubles. Dwayne Wade really wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, 16 seasons for Dwayne, 14 for Harden. Uh, Harden's actually played in one more playoff series, playoff mm-hmm. year than than, uh, than Dwayne Wade. Um, Dwayne Wade still three more All-Star games. Now, oddly enough – Dwayne Wade has never won an MVP for the regular season. He does have a finals MVP. James Harden has made more all NBA first teams, six compared to Dwayne Wade's two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne Wade, though, still better offensively. Harden has led the league in scoring and assists. Dwayne Wade only once in scoring, three times for Harden, twice in assists. Um, when you're looking at the raw stats, at the yes. Per games? Per mm-hmm. games. Two and Harden a half points per game yeah. for Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, about an, a rebound better. At least two and a half. Uh, two and yeah. a half more assists a game. Um, so, yeah, when you look at it like that, he has more points than Dwayne Wade, more rebounds, more total assists by almost th- 1,300. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dwayne Wade a better shooter, though. Then that Harden, for 48% to 44%. That's, that's, um, that's just general field goal percentage. James Harden is actually the better shooter than Dwayne Wade. Right. Um glad he even said that. I was about to come in here like, Pete, you're fucking bugging. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Me, me, and Peter looking, me and Peter looking at the same thing. So. 
Yeah, when we're looking at, you know, when I'm and when we're looking at games, I'm trying to see in terms of of games here. Um, you know, I, th- I oh, oh, here we go. Oh, that's just playoffs 177 to 160. Oh, here we go. Uh, James Harden has played a thousand games in his career, Dwayne Wade, a thousand fifty four. Like, let's also be honest, Dwayne Wade played in a time. Played less games than he probably should have been in his career. Was hurt a lot more than he than he probably should have been. If Dwayne yep. Wade was completely healthy for a lot more years of his career, we say the same thing about uh, uh, Derrick Rose, right? If these two guys had not been hampered by the injuries they were hampered with in their career, like imagine just how much better Dwayne Wade and um, and and Derrick Rose would have been. We say the same thing about Penny Hardaway. Right. Be told, I don't think Derrick Rose would have been as great as everybody make it seem as he didn't have a jump shot. So I mean he it, it could have pretty much did what y'all did to Giannis. You block you block him from slashing and then he's he's full. Yeah, but Dwayne Wade played in a time when the jumper when when drop when being the slashing driving point guard, bless you, Dre. Dwayne uh Derrick Rose played in a time when being the slashing driving point guard was not yet the norm. So he was this mm-hmm. new kind of player. Because he was this point guard that could drive into the lane, dunk, really dominate without having to pass out. He was kind of that in that transition era of the driving kick point guards who scored mostly on jumpers and, and layups to the attack the rim, run the offense point guards, which is what you saw out of a Dwayne Wade, even though he was a two. Uh, and what you see out of the point guards now who more so dominate the offense as scorers, especially as three-point scorers. Again, that wasn't a big thing yet for the guards. That was so, still a thing for forwards and the twos. So are we talking about Dwayne Wade and Harden, or are we talking about Dwayne Wade and Paul Pierce? We, we, we started, let's, on, we started on Pierce, Pierce. Just, just, to, just to give Paul Pierce shit. But Paul Pierce but, needs to get off the weed. Yeah. But we're talking but, about Harden. We're talking about Harden and Wade. From a raw stats perspective, yes, you could say that Harden is better than Wade. Um, no. Harden will also have played at least a we're couple. Saying, of we're saying more. raw stats. If you look at strictly that is stats, so subjective. No, no, Matt, you're not. You're not hearing what we're saying. We, right. We're saying if you only look at stats, if if you did not see any of these two play, you would have thought James Harden was was top five shooting well top five shooting guard ever right right when, um, when you're just looking at raw stats yes also he's gonna end up playing at least a couple hundred more games in his career than Dwayne Wade will because again Dwayne Wade injured and didn't you know didn't play as much as he should have and retired a little bit early more games at least right. 300 more games but there is something to be said about the eye test call me old school but there's something to be said about the eye test. When you saw Dwayne Wade, it was like Kobe, man. When you saw Kobe with the ball in his hands in the last minute, 30 seconds of a game, you just knew there was something about watching them play that you just knew they were dominant. I don't get that from James Harden. I don't get that feeling of dominance that he could shut down a game, that he could single-handedly be the most important person on the floor. Dwayne Wade was that, and he was that even when LeBron James was in Miami. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I choose Wade off strictly off the basis of he's a he's he's a great two-way player. Um and he's won he's won the championship without 
LeBron James. So there's that. Um, James Harden has had so much help in his career, and to not have a championship just left me befuddled. But are you ever scared of James Harden on the court like you would have been of James, of Dwayne Wade? To be told, I wasn't scared of neither one of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm just being honest. like, Because, again, they both have their, their flaws. Dwayne Wade wasn't a good shooter. He, as much as he developed a mid-range game, and Marquette, he had a mid-range game, but he he was barely fooled outside of the mid-range. And, yeah, he could get to the rack. But, again, certain aspects of everything, like there's game plans to try to, like, minimize. Not You can't shut certain – scorers down, but you can minimize their production offensively, right? Whereas Harden is predominantly the better scorer because he can score in a bevy of type of ways. But where I choose Dwayne Wade over James Harden is James Harden's not a great defender. He's not even a good defender. He's just a transitional defender. Like he can he can get in passing lanes. And then when he gets into the passing lanes, he has this outlet to where Again, he's going to the free throw line a lot. Whereas Dwayne Wade was a great defender, a great wing defender, a good ISO defender until he got hurt. But that's neither here nor there. But that's what I said. Like if the the, the question at who's best is very subjective because then you have you said you have certain players that just look at James Harden and yeah, I just think Houston James Harden. We had like fucking thirty shots per game. And and you also look at like the decline of 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 Wade's career, right? When we talk about, you know, very quickly at you know he came into the NBA at 22, which you know he was already old by NBA standards, right? Coming in at 22, um, 22 was old for for NBA standards. Now, when you're talking about kids coming in at 18, 19 years old. Oh, yeah, that's 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 your half your career done if you're coming in at 22. Right, yeah. he came in at 22, played 61 games as a rookie, started 56, averaged 16.2 points a game at 22 years old. Then was an All Star for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years of his career. Uh, immediately starting at his 23 age season. Uh, and jump eight points a game from 16.2 to 24.1. But, but but look at this here. In 04-05, played 77 games, started 77 games. In 05-06, played 75, started 75. 06-07, only played in 51 games. 07-08, only played in 51 games. That's 20, 40 games right there missed in the prime of his career. Then jumped back up, 79, 77, 76. Then his age 30 season, only played 49 games, got hurt, right? Lost about a good 25 games on 20-something games, 22 games of his of his career there. 69 games, 54 games, 62. Then 74 games, his final season in Miami, at 34 years old. And then from there, his first season in Chicago was his last season as a starter. Played 60 games, started 59. And mm-hmm. then 
that was it. 2017-2018, he played 67 games split between Cleveland and Miami, but only started three games. Um, His per minutes were down by at least 10 or more, um, even from his last great season. And then his last season in Miami, two starts in 72 games, his final season uh, where he got his final all-star selection. So when you look at easily, there's about a good hundred or hundred or so games that Dwayne Wade missed in his career due to injury. Like, let's just be real about it. You know? Yes. I'm, I'm not scared of James Harden though. If you tell me I got to guard Dwayne Wade versus I got to guard James Harden, I'm more scared to guard Wade than I am Harden. I'm also more scared as a coach coming in and having a coach against Wade than I am having a coming in coach against Harden. I feel like Harden can be neutralized um, or a Harden team. I could, I could, I could use, I could let Harden go crazy and still win a game. I don't think you could let Dwayne Wade on a Dwayne Wade led team go crazy and shut down everybody else and still win. But so, I think and with Harden. You you can if we're talking about that one on one. I'd probably rather not see James Harden than than, than see Dwayne Wade. And I I'm, I'm gonna say the reason being is because of how the rules are now compared to where what the rules were when Wade was in terms yeah. of what's the travel and what's not. James Harden is going to take four steps back and hit a three. James Harden is going to get to the, the foul line 20 times in the game. And at the, at the end of the day, I'm sitting, I, as a defender, what can I do? In terms of Dwayne Wade, I know where Dwayne Wade likes to operate. Dwayne Wade is going to operate inside the three-point line near the free throw line. He is going to post me up. I can get help if I need it for Wade on, on the side. James Harden you know what he's going to do. He's either going to step back, shoot a three, or he's going to make some amazing pass to somebody in the corner, and they're going to hit it. Or he's going to sauce you. Or, or he's, going to, he's going to cook you. He's going to cook you. Like, like, like it's harder to send. It's easier to send a double team at Dwayne Wade than it is to send it at, at James Harden. But in actuality, if I'm looking at, at what I saw when Dwayne Wade played versus James Harden, we go to the if we go to where it matters, Dwayne Wade is is head and shoulders over James Harden. Matt just came to this realization like last like like last year when I kept saying James Harden's not gonna is not gonna show up in the playoffs. He just doesn't do it. And me and Matt went back and forth for the better part of the last how many years, Matt? Like least, since, since like three or four, four years. Quarters, since four quarters. We've been yeah. going back and forth about James Harden. I have faith and, in him that he'll eventually figure it the fuck out, but right. But then he never does. Like I said, I can I can give him a pass the Brooklyn Nets year when he was hurt. But then when I look at the stats of when he was hurt compared <laughs> to the stats of when he, he was healthy in these crucial situations, it is damn near the same. So I tend I gotta get him in any way. I'm I just really, really disappointed. Just, I'm giving it to Dwayne Wade. <laughs> I'm just really, that- really disappointed in James Harden. So it's like it's hard to like <laughs> sit there and go. Somebody who wanted to play when he was hurt versus somebody who's – and then on top of that, Wade 
predominantly stayed his whole career in Miami. Granted, he had that little stint in Cleveland and and, and Chicago. Them shits don't count. Whereas James Harden, whole ass is just holding. He's just dropping down again his eagle on anywhere he can fit in. Mm-hmm. Well, Dwayne, bad. again, Dwayne was about the team. Harden's about Harden. Harden is about team Harden, and that's it. Don't have kids, Pete. Why not? They just... I, love ch- I love children. Like, really? These two are like Diddy. They all in the videos. Now they in the theme song. Just that was funny. I got a couple of people who's like, "Oh, that." So your your child is famous now. <laughs> but in in all honesty, if I had to, if I'm looking at the barrel, if I'm on my last pick, and they wouldn't even get to that far. But if I'm on my last pick, I'm for sure pointing at Dwayne Wade before I point at James Harden. Oh, that's a fact. I know Dwayne Wade is going to lock up James Harden. Truth be told, <laughs> even when Paul Pierce said that whole – like, and yo, when Paul Pierce brought it up and I had to, like, really hear his, his reasoning, uh-huh. his reasoning made sense. Yes. It made sense. I know we shit on Uncle a little bit, but it made sense. It, I it think made... he. I think, I think he found. I think Paul Pierce may have found Richard Pryor's cocaine stash. You got it. You got it. <laughs> he he made sense in the in in for his overall look. career yeah. in terms of well, I didn't play with Shaq. I didn't play with Braun. You played with Antoine Walker. You 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 won your only championship when you created the super team. He didn't create it. He didn't recreate that. No, I but still, even, I'm I can't put that shit on him. That's Danny that Ainge. Celtics team created, created the super team of free agency. I don't want to hear nothing about the, the Bulls and the, and the Celtics are old. Free agency wasn't the same. Oh, yeah, those, those, those super teams don't count because a lot of them were drafted. Right. Portland, oh, you know, Portland, Portland. Detroit, the only trade Detroit made was getting Adrian Dantley. Right. Like, right. That's it. Everybody else was a Detroit guy. You got Adrian Dantley. You got a disgruntled Adrian Dantley at that. At that too. So that didn't. That he was coming there regardless. <laughs> he was going someplace. Um, the whole Paul Pierce thing about listen, we could really go. Paul Pierce has a very revisionist history because the teams were not afraid of Shaq at, in, in in that playoff run. Shaq averaged thirteen and ten. So it was pitiful. <laughs> Alonzo Mourning looked more like Alonzo Mourning than Shaq looked like Shaq. Alonzo Mourning had some injuries on his ass, too. Alonzo Mourning damn near died. I know Vince Carter has baptized him like twice in one game one time. Yeah, he was mad at Vince for that. You know, the man played with Kenny Anderson, a young uh, young, uh, uh, Ricky Davis, Tony Batiste, Antoine Walker, like he says he played with nobody, but you played with guys who were Bro, good. And none of them time. were Braun James, Chris Bosch, or Shaq. Let's be realistic. <laughs> we gotta be realistic. But but again, during the time that Pierce was on the Celtics, like especially early on. 
Like they weren't a terrible team. He had guys that, that he East played with. That East was crazy back then. Though. Right. And then you had a, a crazy Eastern Conference. You had Kevin Garnett in 2007, Rajon Rondo in 2006. Right. You got Kendrick Perkins back in 2003. Right. Ray Allen came over in 2007. So you already had Perkins. You drafted Rondo, and then you get Allen and Garnett, right? You had Antoine Walker before that. You got Tony Allen. People forget Tony Allen came in 2004, you know, and stayed for that championship as well. But you had you had guys that he played with. And it's like people want to sit here and say that he played with nobody. He can't say he, he played with nobody. It, it they're, they're, they're yeah. that shit. Yeah, I'm misinterpreting what he's saying. He didn't play with fucking franchise players. That's what he's saying. You telling me Antoine Walker wasn't a franchise player? And what? No. Antoine, uh, Antoine Walker. I would not build my franchise around Antoine. Walker. No, no, I wouldn't. No revisionist history. We would not build our franchises about around Antoine Walker, knowing mm-hmm. what we know about. Uh, Antoine. Well, knowing what we know, but. But even back then, looking at it, I Antoine Walker, and, and this is going to be a, a crazy comparison, and I'll probably clip this for myself. Antoine Walker was basically – Antoine Walker and Al Harrington was at, at one point like the same person. And I'm talking about – Al. diss Al, man. Al- no, 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 no. I'm not dissing Al. I'm actually giving Al, Al Harrington a lot more credit. So much. He got robbed too? Oh, no, <laughs> no, I, I hope not. Al, Al Harrington, we we know the clip of uh, Paul Pierce talking to Al Harrington and, and 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 everything like that. But at that time, Al Harrington was a fucking monster. And and if we want to compare the careers of Al Harrington and and, and Antoine Walker, not longevity because it, it it's not fair to Antoine, but if you look at them in the bubble, they're virtually the same player. <laughs> Are you mm. looking? You look. Peter's going looking at the staff. <laughs> I really something wrong with my kids. Listen, your kids just be doing stuff, and it's okay. They just be randomly trying to find all ways possible to get on the show. Like this one is literally sitting right next to me, watching me do this. I mean, the two thousand, the two thousand two, two thousand three Boston Celtics. They finished third in the Atlantic at 44 and 38. Granted, they were coached by Jim O'Brien. Yeah, that was terrible. That uh, <laughs> Jim O'Brien was a terrible coach. They made the playoffs and lost. They got swept by the Nets. Yeah. What they like the what, what seed were they? If they were dirt third in the Atlantic, they had been like like fifth or something like that, right? Yeah, they beat they beat the Pacers in the first round uh and lost to the Nets in a sweep. They were like and fifth seed, right? I think so. Yeah, and this was a team that yeah. had Vin Baker, Tony Batie, Mark Blount. I hated him. I like uh, Vin Baker. I'm not talking about Mark Blount. Blount. Not, not, not Mark Pierce, Blount, but I like Vin Baker. Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker, and uh, and Mikey Moore. Mikey Moore? Oh my gosh! You know, so and 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 then. 0304, 
was the year that they traded uh, Walker um, and fired Jim O'Brien midseason. They went to the playoffs. They finished 10 games under 500, fourth in the Atlantic division, and still made the playoffs. And they had Chucky Atkins, Vin Baker, Dana Barrows, Tony Batie, Ricky Davis, uh, Jermaine Jones, Perkins, Paul Pierce, and a name that I'm sure gives uh, Matt uh, nightmares at night, Rafe LaFrance. This is before Rafe LaFrance could shoot, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but <laughs> that's I mean, before he you, got to Dallas. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, I mean, you know, the last two seasons before he left Boston, I mean, last three seasons, Antoine Walker averaged 23, 22, and 20 points per game. Mm-hmm. You know, and this was for a man that primarily, you know, was just shooting because the man could not drive for shit. Yeah, because he had flat feet. But um, speaking of flat, let's get to these New York baseball teams real quick. And um, they basically basically packed it up. It's it's not much we can really say in terms of either team, especially with the Mets letting Justin Verlander go to wherever you felt like going at that that point. Um, It's surprising that both teams packed it in. I, the Mets, I'm kind of like, yeah. <laughs> the, the Yankees, when when September and October are very very close from here, and they have they honestly have a chance to still make noise and and get to where they need to go and in, in, in the and um get in into the, the the they can get into the wild card and they can still make some noise in the playoffs, but I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, I. So I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna make every Met fan hate me. Mm-hmm. The Mets did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Mets did the right thing, and I get it. A lot of people are upset. Oh, we just tr- signed Verlander. We had Scherzer. Like we have these opportunities. The team was underperforming. Mm-hmm. Again, the team was underperforming. They needed to do something for the longevity of the team. And I get that it's tough, right? They traded away two of the best starters in the, in, in Major League Baseball. You literally just signed Justin Verlander to all this money just to trade him back to the team that he damn left. Right. <laughs> but the Mets did the right thing. The Mets did the right thing. Yankees had done something similar. Like I said to a couple of people, the only players who should be untouchable on the Yankees, Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, Anthony Volpe, DJ LeMayhew, um, Harrison Bader, and Anthony Rizzo, right? I think Rizzo's still a viable first baseman. I know he just went down today. Um, LeMayhew's been slumping, but I actually like LeMayhew, but that's it. Everybody else should be up for sale, right? 
You want to get rid of Domingo Herman? You want to get rid of Frankie Montas? You want you you want to get rid of Rodon? And Rodon, we don't know what's going to happen there. The Yankees need to rebuild and retool for seasons to come. The Mets did the right thing. I think what angered a lot of Mets fans is that that probably should have been done this year. Instead of signing Verlander, instead of doing the things that they did, they should have realized we have a lot of holes and gaps on this team. We need to start rebuilding, right? The difference between the Mets farm system and the Yankees farm system, the Yankees do have some things in their farm system that we're hoping to bring up. The Mets don't, and the Mets needed to rebuild their farm system. Um, so I'm sorry, Mets fans. I know you're upset, but I'm talking to Queens right now. The Mets did the right thing in trading away the piece. Now, what I would say, as a baseball person, the only thing I'm probably the most upset about is I feel like they could have gotten a better package back for some of the players that they trade. That's the only thing that I feel the Mets missed the boat on. Don't be mad that the Mets traded away players and did the right thing this season. Be upset they didn't do it earlier. Be upset that they actually made you think that this was going to be a productive season with an offense that was middling last year and they did nothing to improve this year with a pitching staff that outside of Verlander finally finding his stride. Scherzer was not as good as he used to be. He was definitely losing it. Kodai Senga is the best player you have on that pitching squad. I really like Senga as a pitcher. Um, I honestly wish my Yankees had taken a page out of the Mets playbook. Really? You're going to big up the Braves right now? Still? I mean, the Yankees are still, like you said, we're still, <laughs> we're, we're, six, we're four games over 500. Yes, we're last place in, in the American League East, but we are four games over 500. We have a better record than the team currently winning the AL Central. And if we were in the AL West, we'd be tied for third place with Seattle. And, and that's with the fact that Aaron Judge has been has missed a lot of time. That uh, Rodon basically has made his first five starts of the year. That Jonathan Loizaga has not thrown a pitch. That Rizzo and LeMahieu have not been Rizzo and LeMahieu. Like, all of those things... And we're still four games over 500, right? I get it that we're last in the division, so that's a lot. And really, we're only, <laughs> we're only, if I'm looking at the standings here, Baltimore, yep, Baltimore, Minnesota, Texas win the divisions right now. We're only three games out of the wild card. So, Yankees are close, but all things said, and I've said this before, like, if I told you at the beginning of the season, all of those things would happen, Judge would get hurt and miss a quarter of the season. Um, Rodon would get hurt and not come back until June um, or July. Loisaga would not throw a pitch. Our bullpen would be shaky. Rizzo, Donaldson, LeMayhew would be slumping, right? All of those things. And I told you, oh, by the way, we're still four games over 500. you You'd be like, there's no freaking way. 
But here, yeah, we I'd be confused. I'd be, I'd be right. fucking confused, but like I am now. But um, let, let's we'll we'll definitely have more than Yankees next week because I just feel like, I mean, not next week because we, you know, we we <laughs> every other week now. But I'm pretty sure in the next two weeks we'll definitely know. <laughs> where the Yankees stand in terms of what they will be doing for the rest of the season. Uh, we know what the Mets are doing already, but the Yankees still have a chance to, to make noise. So Now, Crawford versus Spence. Mm. Oh, Matt came back real quick. Matt, please, please, please take the lead on this one. I'm just... <sighs> What was supposed to be the biggest fight since Pacquiao versus Mayweather? Oh, Terrence Crawford. Crawford that boy. boy, Terrence Crawford put hands and feet on fucking Earl Smith Jr. It was just... I, I, I ain't gonna hold you. I stopped enjoying it and I was just worried at one point. I'm just like, I, I don't think he's alive. <laughs> like, that's, like, he's there, but I don't think he's you not dead. I don't think he knows he's in a fight right now. Like, I think he thought those three people hitting him. Like, that's how bad he was getting his ass beat. And then it's like, when he hit the ground, I'm like, just just stay there. You need to stay there. And um, it's the first time I felt really bad for a boxer. Like, I couldn't enjoy it. And it was just like, you start thinking about like, man, yeah, he did look like he was high. He did look like he was high. I don't want to see this again. He got fucked up so bad. I don't think he even realized he asked for a rematch in December. Weighing at 154. Yeah, and, he did say that. And I think you saw like, his kid going, motherfucker for what? <laughs> like, I think we all felt that in our bones. Like, why, 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 why you, why you want to see this man again? I know you're supposed to stand up to your bully. I don't think, I, like, certain certain times you just gotta realize, like, yo, D- Debo got that. Yeah, but like, you're not him, bro. It's okay. You're just not him, bro. Like, did y'all see the fight? So uh, it was, I, I, I watch it. Yeah, I re, I, re, I rewatched it. I rewatched it. Um, it hurt my heart. I was kind of like, oh, well. <laughs> it hurt my heart. Cause I like Errol Spencer, man. And I mean, granted, this is supposed to happen probably like this is supposed to happen like around the pandemic, but he got into an accident. He got into three accidents. Now that I think about it, three fucking accidents. And. I think I was God telling him, "Hey, fam, yeah. I don't want to do this." <laughs> and he survived it, and God willing, he got into that ring and befuddled the whole world because we, we we legit thought like, "Yo, this is this is about to be lit. This is about to be a fight." From the beginning, it was clear. <laughs> it was clear, and Terrence Crawford got like this hit. That makes you think, like, yo, he looks like a crackhead. He's supposed, to, he's not supposed to be hitting like this. He's hitting, like, he is the power. And yo, 
when he connected, like when he connected that combination and the ref starts like stopped the match, I just was like, Thank God. <laughs> I was just like, thank you. I ain't gonna lie, I was telling I was telling um I was telling my friend because mm-hmm. me and her was watching it. I was just like in the beginning, I was like, yo, they should just let him they should just let him get knocked out. And she was just like, why? He's already dead. I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. Ref might have saved his life. Yeah. But I think we need to save his career and just tell him, like, yo, we don't want to see this. We don't want to see you fight Terrence Crawford again. That's an ego fight for him. Like, collectively, yeah. I don't think anybody should want to see that fight. And if it does happen, it needs to happen probably, like, maybe a year or two from now because December is way too soon. Way too fucking soon. Peter, Peter, I'll let you have the last word on this because uh, we got to wrap it up. As much as I did not want to have a two-hour extravaganza, we end up having a two-hour extravaganza. <laughs> um, this is one where I'm going to say two conflicting things. Mm-hmm. Buy more weed, mm-hmm. but stay off the weed, right? Mm-hmm. He needs to stay off the weed in thinking that it's a good idea to ask for a rematch. What he should do is just sit at home and buy more weed. Just sit home and just smoke and be okay. You got paid. Now go away. This is the problem with toxic masculinity, especially when it comes to the fighting sports, is that they're like, oh, I got to get my hit back. He had better hope that if this rematch gets approved, he had better hope that he has a much better showing. Hell, he better hope he knocked that man out. Because if you go out there and embarrass yourself again, it is going to be career suicide. It's already career suicide. Now, because you know what's going to happen? People going to sign on for the fight. Bro, collectively, the whole world was was shocked. They going to hype it up. They going to hype it up. They going to show him in the gym. They going to show him training. They going to show him getting big. They going to show him this. They going to show him. Hold on. They going to show him getting ready. And here's the problem. What country do we live in, Matt? You said I wouldn't live in? But what country do we live in? America. And what does America love more than anything? A goddamn car wreck. So what are they going to do? Everybody and their mama going to buy the damn pay-per-view because either, oh my God, we're going to see the upset of the century and this man going to come back and whoop his ass or we about to see this man die again and I want to pay $59.99 to watch this man get his ass embarrassed again. It's the same reason why Ronda Rousey fights in the UFC got so much money because everybody in America loves the car wreck. I'm going to watch this because I'm going to see Ronda Rousey knock this person out or tap them out in less than a minute. He should have tapped out after the second, the second all around. Yep, he should have been like, yeah, no, nah, this ain't for me. Yeah. He's right. been like the guy who was going to fight Tyson and decided against it. Oh, you talking about the one that pretend like he got knocked out? Nah, nah, nah. The other guy that when um it was I think it was before the fight actually happened. Like they were looking at each other and then he was like, "Nah, I'm good." Have you <laughs> seen Tyson's current training videos? Mhm. Would you take a punch from Tyson Ty- if I told you 10 million dollars? 
one round with Tyson? Nope. Ten million. Nope. I'm good. Nah, hell no. One round? No. Right now, Tyson. Right now, not prime no. Tyson. Right now. No. Still no. He no. still know how to hit. What? The problem. See, look, I don't. It, these, these are people you don't fuck with. You don't fuck with amateur wrestlers. You don't fuck with boxers. You don't fuck with martial artists. No matter how old they are, they retain that. Like, if Kurt Angle could be 70 years old, he will double leg take down you and in and, and 2.5. Like, like and, and not think about it. It's muscle memory. It, it, it's muscle memory. You swing out, you try to get... Bah, bah, bah. Now you stuck. <laughs> the difference between like, Terrence Crawford and Mike Tyson is Terrence Crawford's arms is longer than Tyson. So you underestimate his power. Right. Don't yeah, but that gives Crawford the advantage to for to be a better defender. Then nah, he doesn't have to be in you like 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 pause like Tyson does. So but that was episode 140, y'all. Um, uh, shout out to everybody here on the show. Um, shout out to Jobber Slam. It was a, a great event. We still have some unresolved issues from from there um, that Mr. will be addressed. Mr. Black got some unresolved so, issues. He, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Black got what he deserved. He lucky I didn't get a chance to hit him with the bat. So, I was right there beside you. Yeah, because he ran off. But... Um, We'll I'm get saying to that my action. fit that day. My fit was fire, literally. It was. It was. Speaking it was. of fire, shout out to to our man Grizz. Big 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 Charizard, big Grizz, the Charizard. Um, shout out <laughs> to the shop. Shout out <laughs> to the shop. Um, if you don't know, the shop is 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 a collection of us who are oh, uh, content creators. Uh, um, celebrating a two-year anniversary, uh, three-year anniversary, no, two-year anniversary. So, uh, and again, happy birthday to Matt. Happy birthday to Matt. Um, happy birthday to the dill pickles of the year sports show. Yeah, I'm not the youngest. He is. He yeah, called, but you're the smallest. He smallest. Wait, that one. He called you dill. I'm just run, running with it. Damn, peep snitching out here, crazy. <laughs> oh no, I called him Donnie. I don't care. I call them Donnie from the Wild Thornberries. Nah. Yeah, he disrespected you crazy. I'm not nowhere that nah, I ain't gonna hold you. That job was a little yeah. wild. Yeah, you Donnie. Cause you cause what you tell me, the first minute you saw me, you gave me a big hug and you said, I'm outside. Oh yeah, he for yeah. sure was outside. And if anybody sure. wanna see how outside Matt was. <laughs> it is on YouTube and it's still on our Facebook. We're not taking it down. If you, oh, want, to, if you, want, me to, if you want me to tell you the specific spots where did he Matt being outside while we were inside, just hit me up. I will or just watch it. Watch the video. Anytime Matt was on camera, right. he was outside being inside. Um, but again, no, no, they no need to apologize. Listen, listen. Listen, the the pre-show was definitely a success. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do next. I'm actually looking. I'm, I'm gonna stake my claim in this this time as well. We want to do a pre-show for We Are Wrestling's next show for sure. Um, With us, the shop. It, it, it's whoever. I, I'm, listen, Pete. Tell your logo guy. 
doing the pre-show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 that that's what's gonna be done. I'm doing pre I'm doing the pre-show for y'all. <laughs> that shit was Let funny. me know. Me me and Alfred will do the pre-show. Yo, I was so bad, yo. <laughs> I I didn't think I was that bad, right? Until I watched it on my way home and I was like, I gotta relax. I just gotta know <laughs> if Matt is coming to the Bronx on a Friday night. You have to figure it out. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Matt, if you show up September 8th, St. Helena's Catholic Church in the Bronx for We Are Wrestling's second anniversary show, Deja Vu. Trying to think, do I got my kids that week? I will, listen, I'll put them I'll put them front row too, but you specifically. Trying to put my kids a, in danger. A front row seat that will be labeled Okay, that will be labeled Matthew hashtag we from the Bronx, not Brooklyn. Miller, I was I was I was really accommodated well in Brooklyn. Thank you for the job of t- for the job of slam show. Oh, listen, job the, the, the battle battle club pro job of slam uh, job of tears podcast battle club pro when they come together for job of slam. Accommodations are always a one. Got to give them that. You read my title, right? Wait, did you yeah. did you get it from the guys in the back table? I don't know. That's the problem. I don't know. Who yeah, you probably it. did. You probably yes, did. So I, have, I have out. a couple. I have a couple here that I haven't opened yet. Bro, uh, no, you gotta understand what I'm trying to tell you. I was so outside. Some random person gave me that abortion. <laughs> That's why everything. So that now happened. Matt Matt could have been date raped. I could have got drugs. date raped. That's how bad it was. This is why we don't do don't do drugs, kids. Right. Do That's drugs. exactly why we don't. I was just do drugs. overwhelmed though. Like everybody was. Oh, sort of oh overwhelmed, huh? <laughs> okay. Pause. But um, Matt made sure he got his yummy taco while he was out there. But boy, no, no. Once again, once again, September eighth. Helena's Church in the Bronx, back in the boogie down. It's deja vu. We are wrestling. Um, and I got my Arizona. The 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 card is stacked. Um, you don't you really don't want to miss it. You definitely need to be there for that. Um, you know what match I'm really looking forward to. I, I already expressed um, what I thought, but Mercedes Martinez versus Ruthless Lala, um, mm. two twenty year plus veterans. Just, just it is is Lala is doing perfectly fine. She she's good, she's good. Um, but again, shouts to her. She'll be fully well rested for Mercedes Martinez. I can guarantee you this: that um, as much as I love Auntie Mercedes, Lala's gonna show her what that lariat do. It's gonna be that's gonna be one hell of a match, and and the whole show is mm-hmm. is like. That Dre gonna be absolutely incredible. But uh, before we go, Dre, mm. big shout outs to you. Your logo, you sir, oh, my made key? a keychain. Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking for it now too. Um, that that should that should look like a block of gold, but and I and I love it actually. Um, so um, for those who don't know, um, I am a logo creator of sorts and. Made the Your Sports Show logo. I've made a few logos for people in the community. Um, I've made Jobber Slam. I made the Jobber Slam Two logo, and assisted with the Jobber Slam Three logo. Um, but 
one of my most prized logos that I've made, which you know was used as it as it was as as it was seen, and as well as the other ones that were used as it was seen. But it was the start of a revolution when I was able to make the logo for We Are Wrestling, and it is on the grand um, the grand championship. It is on the keychain, of course. It's on everything. So again, shouts to 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 Peter for you know using the creation of mine to to jumpstart some things. And listen, he he gave me full creative authority on it. He didn't tell me. He just told me these are the words I want. I said, all right, boom. <laughs> Listen, at least um, you use your creative control better than uh, Hogan and Russo at WCW. So, so, Can't so. wait to watch that. I think I think uh, Don't waste your time, I might go man. live and 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 speak about that. Don't waste your time. I felt like Bam Bam's was more entertaining. I oh, can't, Bam Bam's I'm, was great. Bam Bam's was, and it bro- it breaks my heart every time to know that like Bam Bam's not with us no more. And I'm looking, so, bro, Dre. Next week's episode, me and Tay got to do two weeks. <laughs> it's two weeks. We got to do a rewind of uh, of of Jamaican jealousy. <laughs> oh, Jamaican jealousy. Yes, we definitely have to yo. Definitely have to do Jamaican jealousy. Uh, Marty, Marty. <laughs> I I gotta find the story uh and 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 and, and I'll, I'll I'll put it I up. I hope they talk about that shit on that episode. Pete, I, I think that was episode twenty five. So if you want to go back and watch episode twenty five to see what we were talking about, <laughs> you definitely watch that. Um, to make it but jealous. that that was That's it for episode so forty of the Year Sports Show for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado for the birthday boy, BK Matt for the queen, the ruler. Queen Tay, who shut down the Beyonce concert. <laughs> it is your boy, the wise man. The, I'm sorry, the wise brother, the advocate. Yo, why you ain't talking about that? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, damn. We got, we got, like I said, some business will be handled when it when it's time to handle it. It is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace. <laughs>